Hey, slop dog! The Brainiacs are ready! Welcome into Leather Brains, episode 153. Your host here, Slap Dog, and it is Wednesday, December 6th. I had to look. I'm going to be completely honest. That's why I paused there. But I am joined here today by with by Scotty Del Rey. Scotty. You're joined by me and with me. Together at the I'm same here. time. Yeah. It's good to see you, man. Yeah. Welcome in. It's good to see you too. I get I get the feeling just in our little conversation prior to hit and record that we're both pretty delirious and tired, so we might say some stupid shit today. I think, Are we getting canceled today? We could. I at the we very could. least I think we're gonna get silly. I think that's we're definitely that, getting silly. I mean that's yeah. always in the game plan. Yeah. Well I'm looking forward to it and I'm glad that I have you here alongside me to get silly with. Yet he's not here today. I don't know why. Uh, he just said he couldn't make it, so question mark there, but I hope everything's okay, and I appreciate you here. We're going to do things mostly the same. There's going to be a little bit different flow for this episode. Uh, we're going to do Monday night takeaways, of course, because we have to do some Monday night cleanup. That was a uh, very interesting game, and there's, <laughs> Hell some, of a game. there's some stuff to talk about there. Uh, we're going to play Flex Appeal, Scotty, so uh, you're very familiar with the game, and most of the Brainiacs at this point should be as well, so we're going to play that. And then we're, this is going to be kind of a free-form episode, so we got mailbag. We have uh, quite a few questions, but if anybody does have any questions, go submit them over on YouTube right now for all you live viewers, and we will answer them here very shortly. This is going to be kind of a mailbag segment. There's going to be fantasy football, dynasty football, NFL questions, as well as just some general life questions that people have, uh, have shot over to us. So got a plethora of that. So, but if we have any other questions, please go over to YouTube, Leather Brains, Fantasy Football, and uh, we will, uh, if you put them in the comments, we'll answer them here very quickly. So, Scotty, let's uh, let's kick things off here with the Bengals beating the Jags without Joe Burrow, might I add. So, first and foremost, I do want to say this. We were right. We called this on Monday Night Show. We said that the Bengals were going to win this game, mostly because we wanted to see chaos ensue. I don't know if we truly believed that that was going to be the case, but they won in overtime, 34-31. to 31. So, the very first thing that I, I want to say is Jamar Chase is still relevant. In fact, this this game was the, his second most receiving yards this season at 149. He put up 31.62 fantasy points in PPR formats. Jake Browning, man. Dude, he looked so good at football. <laughs> and I love I love the way they utilized him, too, because you could tell they, like, eased him into the game, to throw some short passes. I think his first, like, eight passes, his longest completion was four yards. But then after that, dude, they uncanned him, and he just went off and was accurate and looked awesome. He looked like Joe Burrow 2.0. He did. He, I, honest to God, and I, I like Joe Burrow. I don't want to sit here and seem like I'm talking shit on Joe Burrow. He looked, and, and this is one game, right? So I, I don't know if this was an outlier or not. And that's my, I'm going to ask you this question here in just a moment. But he looked better than Joe Burrow really has all season. And I don't know if it's health concerns. He went 32 for 37 for 354 yards and a touchdown. He also had a rushing touchdown and 22 yards on top of that. Is he a startable fantasy football asset? That's the question that I'm asking you right now. Jake Browning, he came in and didn't look bad. In fact, I let me. I will pull up the stats while you answer that question to to tell you what he finished as for quarterback of the week. Yeah, I mean, obviously we can't overreact to one game. This is his first uh, or first or second start. I don't remember, but um, 
yeah, I mean, obviously he's brand new. He's got a ton of weapons to work with, though, and he can sort of fill that Brock Purdy role to a degree. As long as he plays competent, he's able to get the ball into the hands of uh, now healthy T. Higgins and, of course, Jamar Chase, right? He can make some waves. And, you know, he's been kind of in the headlines recently now that he's starting, but, you know, he broke all sorts of records in high school. He was a tremendous college quarterback, so there's no real reason to not give him a real shot. Um, but with that said, you know, fringe starts for quarterbacks are always a little bit weird. It depends on your league. If you're in a 10-man league or a 12-man league, usually it's not worth taking a risk because there are a lot of reliable guys. But, you know, we're dealing with a lot of quarterback injuries this season, and you might be in a position where you're looking for some upside. And right now, Jake Browning looks like he might have it. Uh, in an ideal situation, you're sitting him until he proves it. But if you have to start him, he's giving you reason to be hopeful. Well, and, and that's, I mean, there have been so many quarterback injuries this season, and his next couple games are Colts, Vikings, Steelers, and Chiefs. So I, I think he's definitely within the realm of, of uh, starting conversation for fantasy football, just given all the injuries that we have seen across the board and the fact that this team does have a lot of weapons. You know, it, the Bengals really, like you mentioned, made it easy for him, especially to start this game. And, and it progressively got a little bit more flashy and he did a little bit more to, to keep them competitive and in this game. But I, I think there truly is with the weapons on this team, T Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon actually had some relevance. I, I mean, they're, they're kind of looking like, okay, what can we do to continue to win these games? Because they're at the bottom of the division. They're climbing that ladder. You know, they have the, the Steelers and the Browns who both have lost their quarterbacks. And, and so like this division now is kind of in question of what's going to happen in these next couple weeks. And it truly is, you know, the Ravens are leading and they're going to continue to lead, but a wild card push for the Bengals is still within the realm of conversation here. And, oh, and if a hundred percent, if he's going to come out and throw for 350 yards and look as clean as he did, uh, it's definitely in the conversation. But again, can't overreact to one game. We've really got to see a larger sample size before we start getting all excited. I mean, you can you can reasonably foresee us looking back on this game and saying, yeah, that was a ridiculous outlier. Or you could also reasonably see, oh my gosh, this guy has a huge future in the NFL. So right now we just have to kind of wait and see how everything plays out. But I was it was exciting watching him. I went into this game thinking, God, God damn it. I wish Joe Burrow was here. This would be such a fun matchup if Joe Burrow was playing. This game's going to suck. And uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. It was awesome. It was a really, I mean, obviously it went into overtime, so it was a very competitive game. I have one more question on the Bengals side of things here, and this might be an asinine question. This might be a foolish question, but I got to ask it anyway because that's what we do here at Leather Brains. Is there any leg to stand on that Joe Burrow is not nearly as, as great of a quarterback as we have put him on this pedestal to say that he is because someone like Jake Browning has come in and done a very exceptional job right out of the gate? Joe Burrow has struggled to stay healthy all season, and not just this season, but Throughout his NFL career, Joe Burrow has struggled to stay healthy. I get it. There's O-line issues. But perhaps, you know, and, and this is my question to you, is it not Joe Burrow being great, but maybe his weapons around him, kind of like Brock Purdy with the 49ers maybe? I think we have enough tape on Joe Burrow to know that he's elite, uh, whether it's his college tape or whether it's his time in the NFL. Obviously, he's got some elite weapons around him, and that doesn't hurt. You know, this is a team game, so you, you can't just do everything on your own. But I, I really do think when Joe Burrow is healthy, he is, you know, an elite quarterback in this league. 
Um, you know, Jake Browning might be in that conversation himself if he continues to perform like this and maybe finds a permanent starting spot somewhere. But I don't think there's any question that Joe Burrow is awesome. The injury concerns um, are stacking up. And if that's something that continues, his career might, uh, you know, not be as exciting as we hope. Uh, but if he's healthy, I think he compete with almost he can compete with almost anybody. Okay, uh, let's talk about uh, Trevor Lawrence, a.k.a. Sunshine, a.k.a. Sarah Jessica Parker, whatever you want to call him. I call him Sarah Jessica Parker. I don't know what you refer to him as, Scotty, but we'll just call him Sarah for the rest of this conversation. He's confirmed to have a high ankle sprain. Doug Peterson noted that while there is no timetable for Lawrence's return, he will begin rehab immediately with the hope of playing in Week 14 against the Browns. What do you think? Bullshit. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, I hope he comes back as soon as possible, but if you saw that injury, man, I was I was actually surprised it was only a high ankle sprain. He got rolled up on, he got bent over backwards, he tried to stand up and fell right back down. It looked like a real serious injury, and even, you know, the announcers going through the game are like, uh, you know, everyone was basically speculating that he might miss significant time. So it's good news, uh, seemingly, that we got from the uh, Jags organization that it's just a high ankle sprain, he's already doing rehab, they did an MRI, everything looks stable, uh, but again, and coming back after one week is just it just seems silly even if he makes tremendous strides I mean this is a team that's hoping for a significant playoff push uh they've got the the Browns coming up next and then they've got the Ravens after that but the next three games after that to end the season they can conceivably win uh and they could probably compete even with a backup quarterback so in my mind, you're definitely keeping him out this week. You see how he feels uh, for the following week, and you make a tough decision there, um, and you bring him back to end the season and hopefully go on a nice three-game run and and take your division still. But uh, I just don't see any way that he plays in Week 14. I mean, you want to talk about a, a tough division and, and the Bengals potentially making a push. Let's talk about the AFC South for just a moment. The Jaguars are leading this division at 8-4, and four, but they're not a for sure lock at this point. I mean, you, you still have the Colts and the Texans who are both right under them at seven and five. So there's a real possibility that the Colts could, and I don't want to rule out the Texans, but obviously the, the loss of tank Dell, I think is going to be significant for that offense. And, and so I don't want to write the Texans off, but I think the Colts stand a pretty decent chance as well. I think this is another one where it, it could kind of go any which way for this division and without, Sarah Jessica Parker out on the field. What does this team look like? I mean, I don't think it's obviously going to look the same. Yeah, I mean, it definitely throws a huge wrench into things. They were feeling, they were looking at their division and looking at all these injuries and feeling relatively confident that they were going going to make it. Um, and right now, obviously, you know, everything is falling apart a little bit. But again, looking at their schedule, I think they've got at least three wins in that schedule, um, with or without Trevor Lawrence. At least they have a, a good chance for three wins. Nothing's free in the NFL, but. Um, you know, we'll have to wait and see. It's just, it's, it's definitely tough, but they really have to be careful with them because it's not going to do them any good if they bring him in too early and then they lose him again and then lose that game. And then they can't bring him back for the playoffs. I think they got to start thinking big picture here. Okay. Well, uh, before we go on to flex appeal, I do just want to highlight it is, uh, it is by weeks. They're still happening. They are still around and it is still a thing. So Cardinals and Commanders are both on by this week. And I just want to preface by saying that if you have anybody for fantasy football that you are starting, Sam Howell is probably a starter for a lot of people. He's on by. Kyler Murray. That means I got to sit Jahan Dotson. Damn it. I've been starting him every week. (laughs) I'm sorry that you're doing that. Uh, Okay. Let's go over to Flex Appeal. I'll let you start this, uh, this whole flexy conversation. 
Yeah, I chose a lot of gross ones, so this will be a fun conversation. But the first one I'm going to give you is uh, Jerome Ford versus Jacksonville or Keaton Mitchell versus the Rams. Who do you got? Uh, It's got to be Jerome Ford for me. Um, The Chargers, from a defensive perspective, are terrible. You know what? Actually, the Chargers in general are pretty terrible right now, and their defense is definitely 50% of that conversation. Not only that, but rush defense-wise, Jaguars are one of the worst defenses. I think they're giving up like 200 yards rushing a game. I'd have to go look. Um, Let me pull it up here. They're giving up on average 265 yards a game. So I will definitely take the Chargers with uh, Jerome Ford playing against them. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. And ultimately, I thought this one might be a little bit tough because you have two running backs that are both splitting the backfield. You don't really know. You know, Jerome Ford was out carried uh, by Kareem Hunt this last week. So a lot of people are a little bit iffy on that. But the fact of the matter is, is that Jerome Ford has averaged uh, 16 touches or more and over 70 yards per game for the last five weeks. This is a guy who is definitely getting volume this last week aside, and he's involved in the passing game. So I'm really excited about that. And then You know, one of the things that we'll talk about a little bit on your next one as well is the Rams rush defense is top 12. I mean, they actually have a pretty significantly difficult rush defense to go against. So people like Keaton Mitchell obviously have explosive potential on every play. You watch him play and he could break any carry for a touchdown. But this is a tough uh, defense to go against. And of course, he's in a split backfield as well. So I think Jerome Ford is the safer bet. I agree with you. And now I present to you the other starting running back (laughs) The Ravens, Gus Edwards versus the Rams or Damian Pierce versus the Jets. So I kind of picked guys who were in timeshares and made this as difficult as possible for you. Which Mm -hmm. one are you taking? Yeah, we went kind of the same route on our first one, going with some timeshare guys. It's all gross. Uh, And both of these defenses are tough defenses to go against, too. You're talking about the Jets and the Rams. Their run defenses are both good. Um, I think the upside is with Gus. And the reason for that is because I just see them getting in scoring position more than uh, more than Damian Pierce against the Jets. I mean, when you're playing the Jets at home, especially in the wintertime, a lot of times you get low scoring games. And then on top of that, you're looking at, uh, you know, a team that's hopefully going to go up early on the Jets and then probably take their foot off the gas pedal a little bit, not get in scoring position as much. Um, so I think Gus Edwards, you know, has a better chance to be in a more competitive game, to be in the red zone a lot. I understand the argument for Damian Pierce. Okay, if they go up early, maybe they're just going to feed Damian Pierce all day long. Um, But I think the upside is with Gus Edwards. I think I wouldn't blame you for picking either side on this one. There's a good argument to be made for both. I think I'm going to take Damian Pierce here. To be honest with you, the Jets have a you know the Jets have a good defense from a passing perspective, but their run game defense has actually not been been that great. Damian Pierce is kind of a question mark, to be honest. I mean, it's gone back and forth with him and Devin Singletary. Damian Pierce has struggled to stay healthy, and then there was concerns that he had lost that backfield completely to Devin Singletary. And then all of a sudden, out of fucking nowhere, he got the most touches this last week. And it was very frustrating as somebody who owns both of them that now I have to sit here and play this, this game of who do I start on a weekly basis. But Damian Pierce, he got 15 touches against Denver this last week, and they actually have a pretty difficult... Uh, rushing defense to go against so I think it's Damian Pierce's backfield to lose matched up with this Jets I I think Pierce is going to be the one I don't want to screw around with the timeshare that is the Gus Bus and Keaton Mitchell give me Damian Pierce yeah I I think what we're in store for with the Texans this week is a massive down week in terms of their offensive production because of the tough defense because of the weather conditions because they're playing uh, in New York 
I just I foresee this game being like a, you know under 30 points total. Um, and with that in mind, I just don't see the scoring opportunity as much as Gus Edwards. But again, I think you make a perfectly coherent argument, and I'm not going to blame you for taking that side. I think it's a close one. Okay, I uh, it's your turn. I don't know what I'm doing. Sorry. Oh, it is my turn. All right, Deontay Johnson versus the New England Patriots, or Calvin Ridley versus Cleveland. This is a disgusting one. I had a really hard time coming up with like the, you know, the movie Saw where they put you in the room and make you cut off your own hand and stuff. That's pretty much what I'm doing right now. <laughs> that is exactly what you're doing right now. Um, can I forfeit the week in fantasy? Is that an option? You can always do that, yeah. Okay. Oh, my gosh. See, I really want to say Calvin Ridley, but the, the issue is is he's going against the Browns, right? And so the Browns actually, like, the Browns have the best defense in the NFL, period, across the board. The Browns' defense is incredible, both for passing in and uh, in the rush game. So I want to say Deontay Johnson, and that, you know, I'm going to get back on my horse and ride the Mitch Trubisky train all the way down uh, all the way down the lane here. And the other thing that kind of concerns me is can Calvin, Calvin Ridley's going to draw top coverage, which he kind of typically has been, but it's kind of been a conversation for fantasy football. Is it him or Christian Kirk? Christian Kirk isn't in the picture anymore, right? So I, I think Calvin Ridley is going. There is no question in my mind he's going to see the top coverage and the best defense in the NFL. While I understand that Deontay Johnson has a backup quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, I also don't think Kenny Pickett is that has been that great this year and really his whole career at this point. So I'll take Deontay Johnson against Bill Belichick, I think. Yeah, this is another one I'm not really going to blame you. I think the upside is with Calvin Ridley just because of talent and with the absence of Christian Kirk someone's got to catch the ball. And I think it's going to be Calvin Ridley that catches the ball. Deontay Johnson has been underwhelming. He's, you know, now kind of getting a reputation for being a cancer in the locker room. I don't know how much the team really likes him. He's only caught a couple touchdowns in the last like 15 years or whatever. Um, I think I would go with the upside of Calvin Ridley, given the disgusting nature of both of them. Uh, but I, again, I don't blame you. And, and I agree with you that I don't think Mitch Trubisky is all that different from a fantasy perspective than Kenny Pickett. I think you're going to get pretty much the same output, so I don't really see that as a downgrade. Uh, but New England's defense is also really good. Uh, Deontay Johnson has not been very productive, and Calvin Ridley, we've seen what he can do, and so I think I'm going to bet on the upside and go Calvin Ridley. Okay. I will bring a uh, two wide receiver twos to the table for you, for their teams respectively, not for fantasy football. So we have Puka Nuka versus the Ravens or Devontae Smith versus the Cowboys. This one's pretty hard, to be honest. It is a tough one. And I think if I were to sit down and try and be as reasonable and rational as possible, I think you go with Puka because we've seen the upside with him. We've seen you know how much he's basically taken over this offense. But I've just got a lingering feeling that Philadelphia is going to come out and make a statement this week, and they're going to score a ton of points. So it is for that and that reason alone that I'm going to go with Devonta Smith because I've got this weird fantasy tingling spidey sense going on in the back of my head. And so I think I'm going with the upside of Devonta Smith, even though it's probably not the most rational of the cho- of the two. I, you know, we're just pitting each other against each other today because I'm going to go with Pukanuka here, and I. I think honestly, this is a coin flip one, and and I, I wholeheartedly believe that. I I think there's arguments for both. I'm just concerned. Dallas Goddard, I think, has been cleared, and typically when Dallas Goddard on the is on the field, Devontae Smith sort of takes a backseat role. We've seen it in the past. Now, when Dallas Goddard is out, Devontae Smith is a smash play every single time, and it has been that way 
almost every single time, almost every game that Dallas Goddard has not been playing. That kind of is a little bit of a concern for me. I mean, you know, with with all of Jalen Hurts' weapons there, there is a lot of mouths to feed. And with the Rams, there's less mouths to feed. Obviously, you have Kyron Williams and Cooper Cup, who both looked incredible. Well, Kyron Williams has looked incredible. Cooper Cup has kind of taken some steps back for fantasy usage this year, and Puka has sort of filled that role. I expect him to continue to do that. Now, I'll take Puka against the Ravens versus Smith against the Cowboys. Yeah, and that's uh, that's another one where I definitely don't blame you at all. We're we're not helping our listeners at all. They're just listening no, to us disagree, like, and they're yeah, still they're like, like I don't know what we're supposed do. to do here. <laughs> you guys are just arguing. Um, yeah, with each other. I would say if you are uh, looking for a safer floor, Puka Nuka is definitely the bet. Um, and if you're crazy like me and think the Eagles are going to mollywop Dallas, uh, then Devonta Smith, I think, can get in the end zone a couple times. I think that's um, all right. My last one here. Battle of the tight ends, kind of. I don't know if what Taysom Hill is. Can He's you like put an Taysom actual... Hill in as a quarterback still? I don't think so. I, well, I, I think so? you want him in. You want him in as a tight end, regardless well, yeah. of what position he's playing. No, I, um, he is. A, but, he's listed as both in the sleeper, by the way. Okay. Okay. But Taysom Hill versus Carolina, or Isaiah Likely versus the Rams. What do you got, dude? It's got to be Taysom Hill. It's got to be Taysom Hill. And the reason being is this. Isaiah Likely is is filling the role of Mark Andrews. He saw six targets with Mark Andrews' absence this last week, caught four of them. He's on the field 73% of the time. So, like, his snap usage is obviously he – is, he is the Mark Andrews light. But Taysom Hill's Taysom Hill. And, and the fact of the matter is, is the Saints are bad. The Saints have been bad. And the Saints really have – they have no, like – future of excitement to be honest at this point I don't think Derek Carr is great I said that when he was with the Raiders he went over to the Saints he's been hurt he's not been incredible the Saints haven't been incredible they have Chris Olave but what they also have is Taysom Hill and Taysom Hill does everything on the field and if you can put that in your tight end slot that's a sit and forget player for me and and Taysom Hill has been that player for fantasy football for the last couple years and every year we forget about him and we're like all right yeah whatever he's he's done and then Halfway through the year, Taysom Hill fucking just shows up out of nowhere, and he's like, hey, guys, what's up? And you're like, all right, come on in. Let's get in my starting lineup because he runs the ball, he throws the ball, and he also catches the ball. And he's that utility player for the Saints that every single year you don't think it's going to happen, and here we are talking about it again this year, and that's, that's what he does. So I would rather, in a tight end position, the tight end position is a gamble almost every single week. Unless you had a Mark Andrews and you have this Mark Andrews light that you're going against, or you have Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson. Like, if you don't have one of those elite guys, and I don't think Isaiah Likely is as elite as Mark Andrews is, I'd rather have the opportunity that Taysom Hill has in that role versus someone like Isaiah Likely. Yep. I couldn't have said it better myself, but I'll try. Um, I think Taysom is the easy choice here. And the reason for that is because, you know, with the tight end position, like you said, it's a crapshoot. You're basically just hoping your guy gets in the end zone. And Isaiah likely is like the third option on this on this Ravens offense. And on top of that, maybe the fourth option, because, you know, we all know what Lamar can do with his legs. So when they get down into scoring position, they get down in the red zone. Isaiah likely isn't necessarily their go to target just because he's bigger than everybody else. Right. Whereas Taysom Hill, this is something I've been harping on for a while. A lot of fantasy managers are like, oh, I hate Taysom Hill. He keeps vulturing touchdowns from Alvin Kamara and whoever. But Taysom Hill is like the perfect fantasy tight end because he has so much opportunity and you don't have to spend a lot to get him during your drafts, if at all. And so 
he is just someone who, especially now with Derek Carr dealing with these injuries, he's going to fill that wildcat quarterback position a lot this game. And the coin flip is not, oh, is you know, is Lamar Jackson going to run it in? Is he going to throw it to OBJ? Is he going to be throwing it to whoever? The coin flip is, which player are they going to hand the ball off to in the red zone? Is it Alvin Kamara or is it Taysom Hill? And we, as we saw last week, Taysom Hill does get his fair share of red zone touches. So I'm going with Taysom Hill easily on this one. I think the upside is clear with him. You, you want to hear a crazy stat that is yep. uh, Always. pretty interesting here. So Taysom Hill is only 69% rostered. Great number, by the way. But he's only 69% rostered, okay? Hear me out. He is tight end one since week six. He's tight end one, and there is a chance he's just sitting there, doing nothing, hanging out on waivers. And so it doesn't make any sense. Go That's get crazy. Him. Go get it. Like I, that to me is just wild. He like go get this guy. Go grab him. Get him in your starting lineup. There's a thirty percent, thirty one percent chance that he is just sitting there, and he is the tight end one since week six. So I, I would be grabbing this guy immediately, um, and he is very clearly my uh, my flex appeal winner for this uh, combat com combat fight. War. Contest. Thank you. Uh, all right. My last one. Raheem Mostert versus the Titans or Rashi Rice versus the Bills. Yeah, this was a tough one. Obviously, we've seen what Raheem Mostert can do, but now with HN, you know, healthy and taking the majority of the touches, he's in a timeshare. They're going against a top 12 defense versus fantasy running backs. I think the upside's with Rashi Rice, especially because he has consistently made a statement in this Chiefs offense that he is sort of filling that wide receiver one role. So I think, you know, Mostert's probably good for double-digit touches, um, which is which is great, but Rashi Rice is going to be your home run threat, and I think he's got a real chance to be involved in an offense that wants to make a statement this week uh, and hopefully is able to. So I think I'm going to go with the upside of Rashi Rice. I actually am going to agree with you here. I, I think Raheem Moster is, um, he's certainly found his usage and he's been a great fantasy asset for anybody who has him as he is the running back two on the season. Um, but as you mentioned, uh, Devon A. Chain is coming back. He is back and he, I, he is going to cut into that workload. Raheem Moster still saw 11 touches last week, but he only saw a 38% snap count, which is very, that's the lowest snap percentage he has had all year. Uh, the only reason he really had fantasy usage this last week was because he he got a touchdown. So I, I think Rashi Rice has the higher ceiling, and you know against a difficult Buffalo team, I do expect him to uh, to be a focal point for this offense because well, some, something's got to give for the Chiefs. A hundred percent, and and there are a couple other points to make here. So number one, obviously the Dolphins are looking toward playoffs, right? That's that's what they're focused on right now. They know that Raheem Mostert is a great running back, but he's also thirty one years old. So I think it makes sense for them to start kind of limiting his workload as they prepare for the postseason. And I think that's what we saw last week, and I think we're going to continue to see that as long as they're able to win those games definitively. And then the the Buffalo defense is still dealing with a bunch of injuries. They've got two cornerbacks that are on IR. They've got their star linebacker, uh, Milano, that is on IR. This is just a team that is, it's very unfortunate for Bills fans, and it sucks, you know, generally because we want to see the Bills good and competitive, but their defense has just been destroyed by injuries. And so I think Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs have a real chance to put up a lot of yards on this team and start looking like the Chiefs from seasons past. So I, again, Rashi Rice is definitely the upside play for me. Agreed. All right, let's get over to our Brain Busters, a.k.a. the Mailbag segment. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Mail! Boop, boop, boop. 
All right, first question comes from, and before I before I uh, I read the question, if anybody, I, we got a bunch of live viewers across a couple different platforms here. If any of you guys have any questions, please go over to, to YouTube. Go to Leatherbrains FF is our YouTube channel. Uh, ask your questions. We'll answer them uh, as we go through this list here of questions that we have already acquired. So, first question comes from Littlest Guru Eight Eighty Eight. Excuse me. He asks us, "What's a buy low trade that you made that did not work out for you?" For fantasy football, this this feels like a real pervert question, trying to get us just to be sad. Yeah, I don't want to be sad. Well, like, all right, I'll be sad. Uh, mine is Zamir White. It was a, a very much a buy low trade, but I've been kind of high on this guy for a couple years now as a rookie, and then into this year, I thought he was going to start making more of a name for himself and being involved in this backfield in Las Vegas and. We just haven't seen it at all. I think I only spend like a, a third round pick on him or something like that. It wasn't anything crazy, uh, but still, I mean, he's just been been hogging up a, a spot on my bench for a, a year now, worst. which is sad. It's the worst. You and I did a trade in Dynasty last year, and Donovan Peoples Jones is that person for me. I don't know. It, it wasn't. Oh, yeah. It it's been kind of a shit show because when I traded for Donovan Peoples Jones, it was before they had Elijah Moore, and I was like, I got the wide receiver two for the Browns, and now he's with the Lions and he's not used. So that's that wasn't the one I brought to the table, but that one comes to mind. Uh, I actually my buy low trade that I have done in the past uh, that has not come to fruition thus far is Jamison Williams. Um, he is uh, I bought him for like a second round pick and a little bit of sprinkling of a backup running back. Um, and haven't really got the production out of him. So I believe in the talent. I hope that that changes, but that is a buy low trade that has not worked out for me thus far. Well, if you've got a player with a lot of potential and a lot of talent, but he's playing for Dan Campbell, you just can't really hope that he's going to see, see the usage that he should. I'm trying to acquire the entire Lions offense for (laughs) fantasy football because I love Dan Campbell so much. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from grass kicker. Curious as to your thoughts on how to handle owners who intend to leave a dynasty league. I kind of like this question. I, you know, we actually had this happen in our dynasty league this last, um, actually last couple of weeks we had this situation play out in ours. Um, when I had found out and, and the owner had came to me and said, Hey, I'm going to finish out the season. And what we do in our dynasty league is we make people pay for a year ahead. So that way they kind of have a little bit of extra vestment in the entire league and, um, and what had happened was, is, uh, he said, Hey, after this season, I'm just not feeling it. Um, this is what our, our second year. Uh, so, um, he wanted out and I said, okay, that's fine. Um, totally understand. I'm going to lock your team. So that way you cannot make any trades. And the reason being is I don't feel as if, you know, if somebody is intentionally saying, Hey, this isn't for me, I'm out, I'm going to walk. I get it. But I don't want to jeopardize, you know, I'm the commissioner in this league, and I don't want to jeopardize the uh, the integrity of the league. And if you have a player who is wanting to leave, I would just say, hey, man, like, okay, continue to start your roster. You're not allowed to make trades anymore, and I'm going to immediately start looking for your replacement. And as soon as I find that replacement... I'm going to give them the team and you're going to you're going to make your exit. You know, very clearly you want to leave. So I don't want your team to be jeopardized by you making a trade because you want to help somebody out or you get angry because something didn't go your way. So can't make any trades. And as soon as I find your replacement, I'm going to push you out because I want somebody who wants to be here for the long haul, adopt this team and then make the moves that that the, the under new ownership that they feel comfortable with. 
So how do you, you know, I'm not a commissioner in any dynasty league. So how would you handle it if someone approached you week one and said, hey, you know, I don't want to be in this league anymore. I'm going to finish out the season um, and then go from there. We can find somebody in the offseason. Are you at that point just monitoring their trades more closely? Are you, you know, more eager to push the decline button as the commissioner on trades, that sort of thing? I, you know, I I never click the decline button. In the, well, this is a little bit different of an instance, but I, I typically never click the decline button in a trade um, because unless it's unless there's very egregious collusion, I feel as if my job as a commissioner is just to make sure that the league is in good standing and it's healthy. Uh, what I don't like is, you know, if this situation were to happen to me, I would still be trying to find the replacement right away. And, you know, it, as soon as I find out that you're not all in on this, I want to find your replacement. And, you know, if you're going to back out at the end of the year, I'm still, and it's week one, I'm still going to look for your replacement and try and get you out by week two. Because knowing that you're not going to be in the league for the long haul, that might change your mentality on a trade. And and you might, you know, for instance, let's say this, it's week one, okay? You tell, you come in and you say, hey, Slapdog, I'm not feeling this dynasty thing anymore. I'm going to call it quits after this season. So guess what you do now? You go all in, which is fine, and people do that. You trade a bunch of assets to try and get some older veterans, which happens in Dynasty quite often, to try and make a run maybe to get some extra money for yourself or do whatever. And then that screws over the team forever. And now, not forever, but for the next couple years, while you whoever comes in has to pick up the pieces and rebuild. And I don't find that to be fair. So uh, I typically, as soon as I know that somebody's out on a league, my first objective is to try and find their replacement and uh, and make sure that trades really, I, I don't think it's fair to try and trade it if you're not in for the long haul. Yeah, and I, I think that is fair because you have to imagine the person coming in is already getting the short end of the stick because they didn't draft any of these players. Exactly. They had no say in who's on the roster. And so it's already kind of difficult to find somebody to adopt a team like that. And then if you have to approach them, you know, in the offseason and say, hey, do you want to pay however much money to enter this league? By the way, uh, all of your players are 35 years old. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just going to be that much more difficult to find a replacement. So I, I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah, and then the other thing to think about, too, is just, like, you know, finding that person. And it does take a certain kind of person that, like, you either really, you know, if you're if you're the guy sitting on the sidelines and all your buddies are in this Dynasty League, which happened in our league, and I was very fortunate to be able to find a very easy replacement because he wanted to come into the Dynasty League anyway. Um, but it, it makes it more difficult, like you mentioned, and that I just don't think that that's fair. So the really shitty thing that happened in, in our specific instance was the guy let me know the week of trade deadline. And, you know, that's when everything kind of kicks up and people are looking at their rosters and looking at their schedules and saying, can I make a playoff push? So it, my recommendation is if you know at the very beginning that that you were not interested in staying in it for the long haul, tell the commissioner right away because now it gives him more time. And in my instance, I was like, you gave me two days to find a replacement and people want to buy assets off your team or trade you and they can't now because your team is locked. And so just it, like just be forward with people and, and your commissioner and let them know so that way they can try and and keep the ship steered in the right direction would be my recommendation but great mm-hmm. question grass kicker love it and uh i love talking about i like dynasty football so next question comes from three seven two zero to one do i start justin herbert or jordan love this week Ugh. yeah 
this is gross because Justin Herbert and the Chargers seem to be in an unstoppable tailspin, and they're not gonna they're not going to stop spinning until they reach hell itself. Like they, it's oh, just no. everything that could go wrong for this Chargers team has gone wrong. They're about to lose their head coach. Justin Herbert's not elevating the team like he should be. Um, all the assets are falling apart and are old. All their pets it's just, heads are falling off. <laughs> all our pets' heads are falling off. It's just tough. Um, on the other side of the coin, though, Jordan Love has given you a ton of reasons to be optimistic about him. So I don't think this is much of a question. I'm starting Jordan Love. Um, and, you know, they're they're playing the Giants. And I think standard fantasy reasoning would be, okay, how much is Jordan Love actually going to throw? The Giants uh, don't probably don't have much of a chance in this game with how well the Packers have been playing. Is there a chance that they just hand the ball to A.J. Dillon 45 times and call it a day? And if Aaron Jones was in the game, and I don't think he's been officially ruled out, but I think it's pretty unlikely that he plays this week, um, I think that would have a little bit more credibility. But because it's their backup running back, I think they're going to approach this game with more of a balance a balanced approach regardless of what the score looks like. So I think Jordan Love is by far the upside play and probably uh, by far the safer play as well. Which is crazy. Like if you were to, if we were to go back to, you know, whenever, when draft season was happening and look at it and sit here and say like, Jordan Love's a better play than Justin Herbert, maybe for the rest of the season, like that, everybody'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? But you look at what Jordan Love has done it these last couple of weeks, man, he has been on fire and, and, from a fantasy perspective, over the last four weeks, he's actually quarterback three. So, like, he's putting up numbers. He's getting it done. I understand that Christian Watson is is probably not going to be there, but I still expect him to be slinging the ball and, and getting the job done. I'm taking Jordan Love over Justin Herbert this week as well. Yeah. Next question comes from the JV Giant. So, he says, someone in my league chat said, whoever wins, don't forget to tip the commissioner for all the work he puts in to making this happen. So... Have you guys ever tipped or seen it happen in fantasy? Scotty, if you win this year, man, I, I will gladly take a tip from you, man. I would really appreciate that. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder if you're secretly the JV giant, knowing that you're the commissioner. And are you the commissioner in two leagues or just one? Yeah, two. Yeah, so you're just you're just fucking. It was a question. Get- Look, JV giant asked the question, but I'm here for it, man. <laughs> I I laughed. I thought Scotty's gonna think that I did this, and I didn't, but. If you want to pay me, man, I, I have I haven't ever seen it happen. I am the commissioner in two leagues in our league of record that you and I are in, Scotty. I actually I've been the commissioner for a couple of years now, and I'm actually stepping down as the commissioner in that league at the end of the season. And we have another friend of ours who uh, well, it's kind of like passing the baton. There have been a couple, and, and I've done it for a few years, made some changes, and that I think that's that's really honestly the fun part about being the commissioner is you get to like enact changes. I have always tried to be very fair, and like you know, I put out. I make polls every year for people to vote on certain things. And, you know, previous commissioners have done other things to try and enact change. I brought us over from Yahoo to sleeper, which I'm very thankful that I've done. Um, but I want other people to get, get the opportunity. They have their own ideas and they have their own, you know, ways of doing things. And I also, you know, I'm on a greener pastures. I, I don't want that responsibility. It is a pain in the ass at times. And so if you want to tip people, I think it's cool because the commissioners does have a little bit more responsibility and a little bit like, you got to get everybody together. You got to collect league dues. You got to make sure everybody's voting on things to make sure it's fair. You got to make sure that the trades are fair. I mean, it's just like a it's it's really not a big deal, but it is extra responsibility that, that somebody it, yeah, has to have. It's more work. I I don't know. I 
I think it probably, from like just reasonably looking at it, it probably depends on what the total pot is. I mean, if you win and you're and you're winning a thousand bucks, okay, yeah, you can tip some money. But if you're win, if you win and you win fifty bucks, it's like okay, I'm not going to give yeah. you five dollars out of sure. my fifty dollars, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, I understand the sentiment. If you're playing in a big money league, it's probably not a bad idea. I don't, I've never seen it in fantasy football, but you know, I I play in a golf league, for example, and the commissioner gets certain benefits from that, so it makes sense. I think it stands to reason. Just depends on how much money you're. Talking. It's kind of fun. It's different. Uh, question comes from Squishy Ducky. Appreciate the question, brother. He says, so does pineapple belong on pizza, though? For reference, we did send out a tweet. And for anybody watching, come submit your questions. Love them. But we did send out a tweet that said uh, something about, you know, Scotty, how often do you shower? Does pineapple belong? Whatever questions you have, we'll answer them. So this was this was kind of what that I is shower alluding every day. to. Do you? Every day. Every, yeah. every morning. Yeah. That's how I wake up. Okay. Uh, just pineapple, coffee. pineapple belong on pizza, though? No. Um, here's the thing. Pizza you can't really go wrong with. I don't think I've ever had pizza that I hated, that I didn't like. But the, the upside of good pizza is sky high, and pineapple on pizza is dumb. I, I'm actually a firm believer that anything that's not meat or mushrooms really doesn't make pizza better. I mean, you can put you can put uh, you know green onions or you can put uh, black olives on it, and they're peppers. fine, but they don't... Yeah, green. Yeah, green peppers is what I meant. I'm not you sure what a those... green onion is. Oh, Actually, I do. Enough. Green onions are a thing. I just don't. I think I've never so. seen them on pizza. Yeah, but either way, I mean, you can put those things on pizza and it makes it fine. But the things that elevate pizza to that next level are meats, things, pepperoni and sausage and beef. And then I, I am a big fan of mushrooms. So I think you throw mushrooms on it, it's awesome too. Uh, pineapple is, yeah, it's just okay. I I enjoy you know I I stood on the camp that pineapple never belongs on pizza and I said that for a very long time. Um, I think it depends on the pizza. To be honest with you, I like pineapple on pizza if the pizza's a good pizza and there's a reason to have it on there. But like if I'm ordering Pizza Hut pizza, I don't want pineapple on there. I I'm I need like a a gourmet pizza. I like meats, but I'm also I like the veggies. I don't like mushrooms, so I like oh, I like crazy. onions, peppers. Give me the meats. And, and pineapple, eh, depends on the pizza. Uh, I think mushrooms make everything better. I could eat sauteed mushrooms from a bowl with a fork. And I think it's, it's a texture delicious. for me. It's like rubbery uh, and it just freaks me out. I don't like it. It's like I'm eating a tire. Mm. And I also don't taste any flavor. That's the other part. Uh, and You got to season them, bro. I'll make you some mushrooms and put it on some good stuff. Right. You'll like them. All right. I'll, I mean, I'm willing to try. I'm, I'm, I'm a reasonable man sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, next question comes from Arkham Slayer 66. Do I play Travis Etienne, Zach Moss, or Josh Jacobs God damn, this dude. week? You got a ton of good options. Uh, he does. Because all three of these guys are good options this week. Um, I think the upside is with Moss. Um, I, I really do. I think he's going to be a top five running back this week. Josh Jacobs is probably going to be a top Josh ten Jacobs running back. Josh Jacobs on by. Why did he even ask this? Oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. No, wait, I don't think he is. No, he's back. That was, that was the week previous. Yeah, no, I, I think yeah, I think Josh Jacobs will be a top ten running back this week as well. So you can't go wrong with him either. Um, Etn is the toughest matchup, but he's going to see a big workload. Can't really go wrong with him. You're in a great position for the playoffs, my friend. Um, but I think if I had to choose between them, I'm going to start Zach Moss. Um, yeah, I'm also actually starting Zach Moss. I think the the matchup is there against the Bengals and the Colts. They have something to play for. They gotta they gotta get the, the win and continue to uh, try and stay competitive in that division. And without Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss really looked good all year. To be honest with you, I, mm-hmm. um, and it's not slowing down. He uh, 
he's my guy. He's who I would go with as well. Um, Yeti, welcome in. No question. Just here to say you're both handsome. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. That's so kind. I think you're handsome too. Um, And this is our last question. So if anybody has any other questions, now is the time to get them in. He says, Cooper 11 says, or she, I'm not sure. Says, what's your outlook on Ryan Tannehill for Dynasty in 2024? Not great. Terrible. Sell him yeah. if you can get anything for him. I don't think you could get anything for him at this point. I mean, it really seems like they moved on to Will Levis, and you know, granted, Will Levis hasn't done much. I mean, he's had a couple pretty good games and some pretty bad performances, but you know, Will Levis is very clearly the future there um, for the time being. And Ryan Tannehill is a billion years old, and I think he's a he'll be a good backup quarterback for as long as he can throw 36 the ball. Thirty-six year old free agent going into the offseason. <laughs> yeah. I think he might be done with football after this season. There's a real chance that he just doesn't ever step on a field again. Yeah, I mean, backup. That's about, like, that's the best case scenario that I see for his future. And uh, it's not a great look. So if you can sell him for anything, I would do it right now. Or you can sit there and cry and he can die on your roster. Those are your two choices. Uh, And that's it. That's, uh, That's all the time we have. So appreciate all you guys and all these questions. I love the episodes when we have a lot of questions. And um, if we send out a tweet or reach out to everybody early enough, we usually have a pretty lengthy mailbag segment. So this was fun. We'll have to uh, continue to do this because I love I love helping the Brainiacs out. Um, and I appreciate you being here today, Scotty. It's uh, I, Unfortunately, Eddie Always. couldn't be here, and I hope everything's okay. But um, I appreciate your presence. This was good. And now uh, our time is up. So let's get out of here. We are out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.